You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? This is Craig Stout, a special edition of the AP Laboratory, the Chiefs come out and they have traded for Orlando Brown Jr. for the Baltimore Ravens. They've given the 2021 first round pick, pick 31. They gave up their third and fourth round picks, 94 and 136, and a 2022 fifth round pick, and they get back a 2021 second round pick from the Ravens, a 2022 sixth round pick from the Ravens, and Orlando Brown. I'm joined, as always, by my dear pal at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Maddie, what are your initial thoughts on the Chiefs before the draft even starts going out and making a move to get a left tackle for this team? I mean, we were in the DMs while Brett Veach's press conference is going on. And I mean, I believe the first message I sent about the press conference was, oh, yeah, that is going on. I guess I should turn it on. And the very second comment I made to you guys, I'm pretty sure was, guys, I'm 99% sure that they Brett Veach just said they didn't like their options in the draft that they were going to have at 31, and they were then they didn't like the other options for agency. I've never felt more confident that a trade is coming. And as the press conference kept going on today, it was just everything that happened. I was like, yeah, there's a trade. There's there's a trade is coming. It's getting close. Mere hours after it's announced, and I mean, I wasn't surprised. I you're always some level of surprise, but I wasn't shocked, I guess, is what I'm going with. And I think you're probably in the same boat. Yeah, I, I'm definitely in the same boat in that regard. Um, I, I posted a big thread on Twitter this morning about how Brett Veach doesn't go into the draft with holes. He hates drafting for need. He would rather draft in pockets. He And he talks about that all the time. He talks about having groups of guys and where the heart of the draft is and trying to get as many picks in that range as possible. I, it just so happens to be that when he was talking about that this morning, he already knew what picks he was going to have in the, uh, in the draft range that he was talking about I thought it made a ton of sense for the Chiefs to come out and try and add a left tackle before the draft because they didn't have one I I know that for everything that they said about Lucas Niang I I think it's very clear that that he's going to be competing at right tackle and so I I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops but this definitely gives Mahomes help on his backside with Joe Tooney, like that got a lot better, a lot, lot better than maybe we were expecting when the Chiefs saw Eric Fisher go down in the AFC Championship game. Like a little bit of surprise, but not completely unexpected. I know that a lot of people are going to have questions about this because he was a primary, he was primarily the right tackle in Baltimore so far in his career. He did play left tackle last year after Ronnie Stanley got hurt. Matt, I know you've taken a look at some of those snaps. Can can you just give the people some, you know, some maybe some things to look at, some things to be on the 
you know, on the watch for there because I think there's a little bit of worry that the Chiefs just traded for a right tackle and worrying about him protecting Patrick Mahomes. Let me, we can do that. But first, I think Kent's not here to keep us, you know, controlled. So we've yes. got to do a little uh, reach behind ourselves and pat ourselves on the back here. Because I do think, I mean, over this past offseason, we've kind of been talking about how we anticipate a trade or another signing happening at left tackle. You had a thread this morning talking about on Twitter how Brett Veach doesn't like to go into a draft with a glaring need. How left tackle was that clear and obvious hole on the roster right now that had to be addressed. And just essentially saying that you didn't think it was likely they went into the draft having to draft a left tackle. Trade comes out. I've been saying it for months now. The last time the Chiefs lost two players in free agency in an important position that started, they went and made a trade right before the draft. Trade comes out. So, you know, this is a little pat on the back because I think this was an obvious move coming that I don't know if everybody saw. I mean, yeah, it's it's the same thing as the Frank Clark 2018 draft or 2019 draft. It's very similar to that. That was a defensive end heavy class. Like, I think everybody was very enamored with a lot of the edges at the top of that draft. And as we got closer to the draft, I think all of us started looking at it and going, guys, I don't know that the Chiefs is gonna, are going to be able to get one of these really good edge players that's going to be able to walk in day one. Lo and behold, the week of the draft, they trade for Frank Clark. Now we switch to the offensive tackles and we start talking about day one guys. And we start talking about arm length and tendencies and things like that and we start narrowing it down and all of a sudden it starts hitting to the point where it's like I don't know that there's a day one starter in offensive tackle and sure enough the Chiefs go out and draft you know or not draft a trade for Orlando Brown and I I think that it shows a clear indication that Brett Veach hates drafting at the end of the draft like really really hates drafting at the end of the draft because there are guys there at the end of round one that he doesn't feel are day one starters and so he'd rather trade those picks to try and get guys that are going to be able to walk in and play immediately i know it costs more we don't necessarily love 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 some of those moves but it is a situation where making the team better is paramount especially at that position well and i think and i mean we will get into our specifically to orlando brown here in a second guys i promise but like just talking about the Chiefs moves in general here, I know a lot of people are a little afraid that the Chiefs continuously trade out of these round one picks, day two picks to get veterans. But I think you have to look at some of the moves. This is kind of similar to Frank Clark, although you're doing it a couple years sooner. You still are getting Orlando Brown on his rookie deal for a year. You have club control going into next year. Technically, you have it for the year after. You are getting a Pro Bowl level offensive tackle for less than what a Pro Bowl offensive tackle is going to make for a minimum of two years, up to three years before you have to really start to pay him. From that aspect, it's a good move. At the end of the day, when you're going to draft at the end of round one, and I think if you listen to Brett Veach's kind of presser, you got the same vibe. There's no level of really high confidence that you're getting a star. There's no level of confidence that you are getting a day one player that will be good. Guess who is good right now? Orlando Brown. So yeah, you're going to pay him more than a rookie, but he's barely older than Tevin Jenkins, who Chiefs fans love. hes I don't even know if he is older than Brady Christensen, <laughs> who everybody seems to love. He's a young guy. Yeah, you're going to pay him two years earlier than a rookie, but he's better for those two years. Yeah, but with 35-inch arms, which we know, you know, Andy Reid covets, those sorts of things. From our pal at Chief Bearcat, uh, Orlando Brown's cap hit this year is $3.3 million. If the Chiefs 
franchise tag him next year. That would be $16.5 million. And a second tag in 2023 is 19.8. A lot of these tackles are getting $20 million APY. Now, granted, if the Chiefs did an extension, those first two years are probably not going to hit $20 million under an extension. But they can keep him under club control for three years if they so choose at under $20 million a year for every single year. So if you look at it that way, the Chiefs are going to be able to wait it out if they can't get a contract done. I know that was a big sticking point that the Chiefs did not, that neither side felt like a contract was imminent in this deal. Now, you can potentially disgruntle the player, make him angry if you just keep franchising him and not giving him a long-term deal. But I bet the Chiefs are going to play out this year, make sure he fits, and then you know decide whether or not they want to commit to him. The reports are that he wants top dollar at left tackle. Why don't you wait and see for another year? See, see if he's actually worth paying the top dollar in your scheme. If he protects Patrick Mahomes well, I can guarantee you that Brett Veach and company are going to come right out and pay him a lot of money to play left tackle and get that structure the way that they want it. Okay, now on to fit. Maddie. Let's hit some of that. Let's let's quell some of the uh, anxiety about the player and how he'll fit in Kansas City. Okay. I, I like to think we're pretty blunt as far as Chief stuff goes. We don't try to sugarcoat things. So I will tell you guys right off the bat, I don't think Orlando Brown is the perfect ideal fit for what the Chiefs have been doing with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback at offensive tackle. He is not the most fluid. He is not the most fleet of foot. You're going to watch him drop in some deeper pass sets and look a little bit labored getting to the very end of it. But here is the thing. When you are 330 pounds, six foot seven with 35 plus inch arms, it's pretty easy to be a step behind or a little labored getting up the arc and still block for 10 yards. It happens. I just watched, I posted a clip on Twitter just a couple seconds ago. It doesn't look great. Miles Garrett, probably the best defensive end in the NFL right now, runs a full 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. And then when he tries to turn up the corner, he ends up on the other side of the pocket because Orlando Brown has ridiculous size and length. So I do think he can function in this offense. He has played in a lot of vertical setting offense going back to Oklahoma. That's something I think people are really concerned about right now. Baltimore, from what I saw, didn't ask him to take very many, if any at all, true vertical pass sets. But if you go back to Oklahoma, that's essentially all he did. Quick sets, vertical sets. Guess what the Chiefs do? Quick sets, vertical, vertical sets. sets. There's a lot of correlation there. So it's not that he can't do it. He's done it before. Baltimore just didn't ask for it. I know Craig's watched him a little bit too. So you know I'll let him dive into some of the things that he thought he was good and bad at. But I do want to state... From the get-go, not a perfect fit, but a more than functional fit there. Yeah, that's. I think that's the thing that everybody needs to take from this because everybody's going to walk away from this going, well, the NFL played him at right tackles. So that's his best position. Guys, he was still having to drop into that. Yes, the Ravens had a lot of quicker offensive sets and things like that, but Orlando Brown had to do a lot of those deep drops at Oklahoma. And I think that's kind of why his terrible combine surprised some people. Honestly, it really did. It made people have to go back and have some questions about him, the player, because it was so bad. He got a lot of early round hype before that thing came because he was good dropping deeper into some of those sets. He was good using that length to set a nice edge and keep the pocket clean. 
He's done that in Baltimore. He did it at right tackle. He's done it at left tackle. Yes, it hasn't been a ton, but he's going to be able to sit there and do that with Patrick Mahomes. Now, the Chiefs have focused on making sure that the interior of the offensive line has gotten better. The Joe Tooney edition, the Kyle Long edition, we don't know where they're going to play Lucas Niang, probably right tackle, but they've talked about Austin Blythe. There's still another edition that may come at some point in all of this. LDT's getting back in the mix. The interior of that offensive line is going to be better overall. That's going to allow Patrick Mahomes to step up in the pocket a little more than he's been comfortable for, uh, you know, throughout his career. We talk about how he drifts out of the back of the pocket a lot. Orlando Brown and his in- inability to really drop super, super deep may be mitigated by the fact that Patrick Mahomes can step up into the pocket and deal. Like, you've just got to force the rusher to 10, 11 yards, knowing that Mahomes can step up underneath Tooney and be able to deliver a strike. I think that this is actually going to fit really well, and it makes sense. The Chiefs wanted to address veteran left tackle. Orlando Brown is 24 years old. He's got the prime of his career in front of him. Obviously, they would have preferred not to have to give up picks to do this because they got other holes to fill. But frankly, I I just think that he makes way too much sense in Kansas City for the types of things that they'll do. And the other part that we haven't really talked about, he's a hell of a run blocker too. Like I was going to say, that's the koala in the room right now yeah, that we're not really talking is. about. Like I'm not an elephant because it's not that big of a deal, although he is. But yeah. the, you know, the small part of this is a. Uh, Eric Fisher is a very good run blocker for an offensive tackle. He really has been, especially for what the Chiefs like to do, his ability to get out in space. I don't think Orlando Brown gets out in space as well as Eric Fisher, but he's not terrible at it. Don't let the terrible combine testing fool you. He is not awful getting out into space. He doesn't have as much range as Eric Fisher, but man, once he gets those long vines on you, you're done. It doesn't matter who you are. You're not going anywhere. You're not going to stop him from moving you. Excellent run blocker. You put him next to Joe Tooney, who I don't think is as physically imposing, but still a very good, very technical run blocker. You just got a lot better at run blocking on that left side of this offensive line. Like there's going to be a lot of space over there. We all talked about last year, there was a debate. Was Clyde Edwards-Elair not being good enough or was there nowhere to run? Tell you where there's going to be space to run this upcoming (laughs) season. The left side of that offensive line. There will be a lot of space to run, and then you can really find out the answer to that question. So I'm for this move. I think it's a good move. And then, I mean, we barely touched on it, but this compensation for a Pro Bowl-level offensive tackle, we traded the equivalent of, what, an early second-round pick for Orlando Brown? Correct. That's something. Correct. The the Rich Hill trade value chart, which is the one that we put in the KC Draft Guide, which, by the way, you should go out and get gum.co slash KC Draft Guide 21 if you want to start looking at some of these second round picks, talking about compensation here. But in the Rich Hill Draft Guide, that's a round pick 38. And I believe it was Mike Garofolo maybe even tweeted out that the Chiefs view this as roughly pick 45, which makes some sense. You know, we've heard that maybe the pick value is going to be a little bit less this year because I have breaking news. What's that? Promotional code Orlando gets you the 2021 Casey draft guide for only eight dollars. Put that put that in there. Orlando. Um Anyway, so yeah, roughly, they view it as roughly 45, which makes some sense with some of the picks being devalued and things like that. Like pick 45, if you would have told me that the Chiefs had the second round pick, 45, and they traded it for Orlando Brown, everybody's going to be excited about that. 
Now, the Chiefs were able to make that move. That means they no longer have a first-round pick, but they do have two second-round picks. Brett Veach said in his presser today, knowing full well that he was about to have two second-round picks in this range, that he believed that that was the pocket of the draft. Matt, let's talk about the impact on the draft right after this break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back here. Orlando Brown to the Chiefs. The Chiefs trade away their first round pick, their third round pick, and their fourth round pick this year. Not the comp pick, so they still have that one going. Um, But they do pick up another second round pick, so they have picks 58 and 63. Matt, the Chiefs are probably missing out on a top-tier edge rusher. By, by not being at 31 now, I think that, that that forces you to kind of manipulate some. How does that make you feel? Or is that a situation where you're willing to sacrifice that top-tier edge rusher to protect Patrick Mahomes? And, and then we'll kind of get into some of the pick 58 and 63 scenarios. So when we were doing the Chiefs' best-case scenario mock draft, we essentially just said we're sacrificing wide receiver to help the Chiefs get some other positions because you were gonna. this team had too many needs to fill everything in the draft as it was. So with this trade, the Chiefs 100% get an offensive tackle. Like, it, there's no questions now. You're not taking a chance on a guy. You have a good offensive tackle. It just means that you are one, absolutely sacrificing a pass rusher. Now... I will say, going back to our last podcast where we did this, we kind of talked about the defensive end group quite a bit. This is a decent defensive end group. Do I think one is most likely there at pick 58 that the Chiefs have now? No, but you want to convince me that a Joe Tryon or a Joseph Osai or Gregory Rousseau, one of those guys 
maybe falls. You get that last guy, you catch it 58. You know, there's a chance, there's hope. Ooh. I could buy it. I could absolutely buy it. I wouldn't expect it, but I can buy it. I think if the Chiefs want to secure a better edge rusher, though, if you want to secure that high-impact edge rusher, especially early on, you would have to find a way to trade up. And I don't think the Chiefs can do that as of right now without that their original fourth-round pick and without their third-round pick. Yeah, you don't want to... The rough value of that, if you traded both of those picks, you could get up to 34 if somebody fell that you absolutely had to have, but then you don't have another pick until the end of the fourth round in the compensatory picks. All of a sudden, you kind of miss out on some of the meat of the draft where you can fill out some of the depth pieces that have a chance to develop into starters. You'd be putting all of your eggs, basically, in into the Orlando Brown basket and this other player basket. I think they'll stay at at least one of those picks. I think there's a chance that they could trade out of one of those picks and try and acquire maybe another fourth round pick, you know, move back into the middle of the third and get some of those picks back that you basically just traded away and try and recoup some of that value. I could definitely see that a little bit. Well, going back to Brett Veach's comments about the middle of day two being the hot spot. Like Mm -hmm. I have, I, as of right now, if you told me that I had to predict the chiefs draft, I would say they are not picking at 58 and 63. I think one of those is a definite trade back. Maybe only even a few spots. You know, maybe you catch somebody that wants to get back up in the second round to pick up somebody that's sitting there at 63. I would be a little surprised right now to see the Chiefs take two players in that short of a span and then not pick again until the end of the fourth round. I think Brett Veach has talked up that particular part of the draft in his last two press conferences, obviously a little bit more in this most recent one. But like, I do think they will find a way to get more day two picks, whether that's I don't know if they can work out another tra- any trades for anybody on their roster or if they're just trading some of these second-round picks back. Yeah. I expect more day-two picks. I, I do as well. I really do as well. But le- let's posit a scenario here where the Chiefs did stay at 58 and 63. Let's say that top tier of edge rusher is gone. Uh, you've got you know, Joe Tryon's off the board, Rousseau's off the board, Osai's off the board, the top corners are off the board, the top wide receivers are off the board. Where do you think the actual value at that is? Is it still at those positions? Because we know that Brett Veach drafts in pockets. Like he's not out here that's he's not specifically targeting, like he's not saying, okay, at 58, I'm definitely taking a cornerback he's going to look for the value he's going to try and find this and the way that he's constructed this roster allows him to do so especially with adding Orlando Brown Jr. so do you think it's still edge do you think it's wide receiver do you think it's safety or linebacker like where do you think the the value at those picks would be as you sit right now not knowing anything about how the first round or the second round is gone this is the interesting part. When I was listening to Veach live and he was talking about where the pocket was at this particular spot of the draft, I was kind of rolling my eyes saying, oh yeah, you're just covering up because the trade's coming. But now that I'm sitting here looking at, you know, my 2021 horizontal draft board, find it in the link in the back of the KC draft guide, guys. It's there. It's live. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. You know what? Maybe I do kind of like this end of the second round range a little bit because I could see the value falling at a number of different positions that the Chiefs need. You want to tell me that the best player on the board is a Carlos Basham or a mm-hmm. Peyton Turner, defensive ends, you know, edge rushers that very much fit what Steve Spagnuolo likes? Yeah, makes a ton of sense. I'm all for it. You want to tell me that the best player available is a Jabril Cox, 
Baron Browning, Pete Werner at linebacker. Again, I understand it. It's a position I don't think it's as big of a need as maybe defensive end, but I could buy it. Same thing with wide receiver, Diami Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, I could go through just about every position here and tell you some guys that I like in this, this range. So having two picks here is good. Again, if I had to guess right now, I do think one of these picks would be used on the defensive side of the ball, one on the offensive side of the ball. So give me interior offensive line and edge rusher, I think, at the spot. Just go all in on the trenches right now. So so maybe Land Dickerson, you know, has some medicals. I, I think I man, you if you got Landon if you walked away with Landon Dickerson and uh, let's lay it. I mean it, Kent's not here. Uh Boogie Basham. Boogie Basham that late in the draft, I, I actually really like. So uh, you you walk away with both of those guys and Orlando Brown. Guess what? That's that's a really really good first two days of the draft essentially for the Chiefs. I mean, especially for this hypothetical conversation, let's say Kyle Long is also healthy. Imagine the amount of space you now have to whether you want to actually run the ball or not. Or if you just want to essentially have a pocket that your quarterback can step in from left to right, you know, Lando Brown, Joe Tooney, Landon Dickerson, healthy Kyle Long. I mean, it doesn't matter what you put at right tackle. Like, I think you're probably okay there. And I'm not trying to sell Lucas Niang or Mike Rimmer short. It's just, I think those other four guys are probably more ready to go on day one, probably better. That's a good offensive line. You have completely turned over that position immediately. You flip sides. We're not the biggest fans of Carlos Boogie Basham, but you get him at the end of the second round, or even if you have to switch him out for a Peyton Turner, like either way, Mm -hmm. that's good. That's a three down player that gives you some positional flexibility that Steve Spagnuolo loves. The Chiefs have kind of lost with Tano Pasnio going away, you know, in free agency. I think, is he still a free agent? I don't even know. Uh, I can't remember if he signed. I think he may have signed with somebody, but I'm looking it up. You, you Phil. Oh no, (laughs) you're good. But yeah, I mean, I just think that the way this sets up for this pick, if, they stayed there I would expect them to keep hammering the trenches because I don't have the faith that Diami Brown is still available the one concern that I would now have with this and this is going to happen no matter what if you stay at both of these picks what are you going to do at wide receiver yeah how are you going to get a wide receiver because you don't pick again until the end of round four so all of a sudden I mean like some of the guys you're looking at are Cade Johnson, Amari Rogers. I mean, those are slot guys. So Des I believe Fitzpatrick. we took Simi Fajoko, you know, in our best case mock draft that would be available. So you'd be hoping that you catch him there. So I, ugh, it's just, it's rough. I, I, I agree with Natty there. By the way, Tano Passigno plays for the New, New Orleans Saints now. That's right. I remember that now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's another one though. I actually just thought about this and I brought it up on our podcast, the best case scenario. Big Tommy Trimble at 58. Ooh. Listen, I could see that. I could see that. And I think that that's very much in play. If Tommy Trimble's at 58, maybe you trade down a little bit. You're able to take that tight end, take that weapon, and then you can play, you know, basically rely on Travis Kelsey to be more or less your ex in this offense. And you can play a lot more 12 personnel with Tommy Trimble on the field with those guys. Some 13 personnel with Blake Bell as well. I mean, like go super heavy behind a good offensive line, trade back a little bit, try and catch, you know, maybe a third round developmental edge or a corner or, you know, a linebacker there and pick up another guy in the fourth round. I like that move as well. Gives you another weapon. Doesn't give you a wide receiver, but it does give you another weapon. I don't. 
it's fascinating. I think they can go a lot of ways now because they went out of their way to add that left tackle. They filled the hole. I, I think we can justify them lining up and playing any number of players at the rest of the positions that they have. We may not love Demarcus Robinson at wide receiver too, but he's done it before. We certainly don't love Ben Neiman at the Sam, but he's done it before. And Tyron Matthew can kick into the slot. Like they have avenues to starting players putting 11 guys on the field that they are comfortable with and have shown they're comfortable with. So that allows them to go into these picks and say, if a Tommy Trimble falls, all of a sudden you snap him up because you're not specifically looking for a wide receiver, corner, edge, yada, yada, yada. You can target the value there. I want to take a quick uh, trip sideways here a little bit and go back to Brett Veach's press conference. I know this is the Orlando Brown emergency podcast, but let's go back to Veach's press conference. He spent a little bit of time selling us on this wide receiver room. Yeah, now, he did. I don't know how much I was believing. I will say at the time, and I think I tweeted it out, I was getting the feeling that the Chiefs were not going to go heavy after a wide receiver. I do think this is now like the third or fourth time we've heard them upsell Byron Pringle. Demarcus Robinson, we're going on two years. I think he is what he is. It, it's fine. I'm not upset. I don't love it. It's just fine. So do we think that the Chiefs are accepting of going into the year with their current wide receiver room and a day three pick. I also wanted to get your thoughts on the very long upsell of Antonio Callaway because he got more airtime than any other current Chiefs player. He did. That felt like one of those preseason ones for certain. It felt like one of those situations where Brett Veach was lying through his teeth about the wide receiver room. And we know that he was kind of lying through his teeth about the wide receiver room because they tried to go get wide receivers this this free agency period. I, I mean, he may not love the, the rookie class in the same way that we do. Like, we genuinely love that class. But I do think that he is going to make another addition. And I think it's going to be fairly early. A another weapon of some kind. I I think the Antonio Callaway stuff is just kind of like him talking up Tim Ward and Darius Harris at times, you know, about this time last year, really selling that those guys can be good contributors. And while there's hope that Tim Ward and Darius Harris can still stick on this roster and contribute, I'm not saying that they can't. I don't think that we can really rule... You know, say that Antonio Callaway is the guy, like because he said that he's gonna get a shot. He Brett Veach also said that he's only seen him in Zoom, like he hadn't even been on the field with these guys yet. So everything can change. I fully expect that that was just lip service, and that they're going to try and add a wide receiver at some point in the draft, especially early. I think it will be early enough because, I, like that pocket that you talked about. Like, I mean, if Amon Ross St. Brown's there, boy, I'm I'm going to be very happy with that pick at the end of the second round. I think he can fit right in. I think Josh Palmer's in that range as well, a guy that we love. I, I just, there's too many good receivers that I think could come in and contribute quickly that I don't think they're going to pass up on one. Okay, so here's my question I'm going to pose to you. Which position out of wide receiver, interior offensive line, and defensive end, I think we assume those are the three biggest needs. I mean, the corners may be in there, but let's just say it's those three right now. Which one of those three positions are you most comfortable letting it ride with what the team currently has and only drafting a guy at the end of round four? Oh, man. I think it's going to be interior offensive line, and it's because uh, both Brett Veach and Andy Reid mentioned that Joe Tooney can play center. Like, both of them went out of their way to say that, 
And if Kyle Long is healthy and LDT is healthy and those are your two guards, that's that's fine. Like you're going to be able to be fine with that as your your interior offensive line. It's it's already better than it was last year. So I think that that's fine. And then second would be edge. I think wide receiver is the lowest on that list for me. Oh, you you are big on the edge coming on day two, or the I wide t- receiver coming on day two. I think I am. Yeah, I really okay. do think I am. Yeah. Oh, one more thing here, and then we can go wherever you want to after this. With this move, you know, this limits the positions the Chiefs can attack in the draft as of right now. We don't know what other moves may come, but as of right now, you're kind of limited to only really getting to go after two positions in a semi-reliable way because you only have two day two picks. Mm-hmm. Do you think cornerback is still on the table? I think you and I are of same belief that before this trade, cornerback was a very real possibility for round one. Now that you don't have a round one pick or a round three pick or only one round four pick, do you think cornerback is still on the table at pick 58, at pick 63? Oh, man. That, that's Because Brett Beach sounded like he was a little bit of a needs drafter during yeah. his press. So, you know, he was leaning a little bit into the, hey, if there's a big need, that's going to separate guys that are close. Sure. And we saw them go after Kawan Williams. So I think that, uh, I think you could say that's probably the top of where the slot corners are. Like, would it shock you? Uh, just throw this out there and then I'll keep going. Would it shock you if, Ashant- if Asante Samuel Jr. was at 58? No, I wouldn't be shocked. I thought you were going to throw me Elijah Molden and we knew no. how that was going to end. No, 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 no. I think that Elijah Molden's going to be roughly around that spot too. But if Asante Samuel Jr.'s there, I, I could see the Chiefs pulling the trigger on that guy because he'd be a great fit. He, he's he got the athletic profile. He's got the pedigree. He's smart. Like, I mean, all of those things make sense. It was just a guy that's not really on our radar because that's an early pick for a slot corner and somebody in the NFL is going to do it. I could see the chiefs doing it. If they felt like, listen, that's one of the best players on our board. I know that he's small, but we're more than willing to play a small guy there. I could see a corner still. Now I don't think that it's necessary, but if Asante Samuel falls, I, uh, listen, I might myself run up there and try and pull the trigger on that. Yeah, no, I think I'm kind of with you. I think there's a handful of guys that I would be excited. I think would still be in the mix. You know, whether you want to call it a safety with Richie Grant, whether you want to say it's a cornerback and Elijah Mould and Asante Samuel, Aaron Robinson. You know, there's a handful of guys. Like, I think it's definitely in play. You would just, I would be very nervous to take a cornerback, which I personally don't see as quite as big of a need as edge or receiver or even interior offensive line. Like I, I think it's a little bit more of a luxury, not even a luxury pick. It's just closer to luxury than need than those others. And now with only two picks that I'm calling reliable, that I think are reliably able to play in year one, it just gets a little bit harder for me to buy into that. But again, at the t- I love Elijah Molden. I love Asante Samuel. Craig knows these are the kind of cornerbacks that oh, I absolutely it's his love. Favorite, absolutely small, scrappy guys that are going to yap. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I would, I would love the pick. I think they're great players. I think they'll be great in the NFL. It's just I do think there has to be a little bit of a hesitation because right now you're still fielding Mike Dana, McCole Hardman slash Demarcus Robinson, and Austin Blythe as yeah. starters, and I just don't love that. I don't love it either, but like I said, I can see this team talking themselves into those guys as being functional and trying to draft for value there, which might be an Asante Samuel or a Tommy Trimble. So before we get out of here, Orlando Brown Jr., Joe Tooney, 
Austin Blythe, maybe. We've got Kyle Long, Lucas Niang. Do you feel, because this is a question we're going to get a lot, do you feel like that is a better offensive line than the group that started in Super Bowl 54? We talked a lot about that earlier this season. You talked about how that was the goal, to improve on the offensive line that started in Super Bowl 54. That included healthier Eric Fisher, healthier Mitch Schwartz. Do you feel like that's a better offensive line as it stands right here and now yikes this is a question okay i'm I'm gonna break it down all the way mitchell schwartz and joe tooney i'm gonna say as a wash i think mitchell schwartz plays a more important position but i'm just gonna say they are a wash at their positions i think orlando brown last year for the ravens was better than eric fisher was during super bowl 54 during that season now will that translate directly to a new scheme and system i don't know but i'm not going to sit here and say it won't for certain so i'm going to say orlando brown gets the edge over fisher and then the i mean the rest of it i don't think matters because i think you're dealing with such not high-end talent like the the hope is Lucas Niang can play better than Stefan Wisniewski or the other guys they feel during that Super Bowl, which I would feel pretty good about because I think it's a low bar to clear. LDT's a wash. I mean, there's not a high bar to clear from the offensive line once you get past the top two. So if I'm comparing the top two of this year versus that top two, I think so. I think it's better. And at least on paper, and then you, at least you have the young guy, the Lucas Niang, that has a whole season to bring his game, to elevate his game up above the rest of the players that started, the Austin Ryder, Stefan Wisniewski. I don't even remember who played else besides those guys. It's just so <laughs> far out of my mind now because it's just, it wasn't good. It's like, I think you're better, but one thing is for certain, you're definitely better than where it was for this last Super Bowl. Well, yeah, but again, as we talked about, that's that's one of the lowest bars to clear here. I just wanted to throw that at Maddie because he said, you know, that's the goal. And I think that, Brett Veach has been very aggressive. Like I, I, I Kent just said this not not moments ago on Twitter. He said, you know, Eric Fisher, his injury really threw a wrench into the offseason plans, which it did. I think all of us agree with that. Veach has been aggressive in trying to fill that, and that's good. I, we appreciate that because, frankly, nobody at thirty one is going to play the way that Orlando Brown is going to play for this Kansas City Chiefs team in year one, probably in year two, maybe even in year three. So I know that the goal is to get cheaper and have cost-controlled talent, but when it comes to protecting the franchise, you just can't skimp on that. And they haven't. So I I like the move. I think Maddie likes the move as well. Um We'll see about the fit. We'll we'll see if uh <laughs> we'll see if everything goes right when he actually gets on the field there. Oh, I have a question for you before oh, we get okay. out of here. Okay. Do the Chiefs stay and pick at fifty-eight and sixty-three? No. I don't I don't think so. Unless they somehow unless they trade another asset to get another player in you know, at the end of day two or early day three. I, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to completely skip out on round three and all of round four, basically picking right at the very end of round four, the comp picks there. I don't think they're skipping out on both of those picks. So whether it be 63 trading back or trading an asset, I don't even know who they trade. Like, again, I said LDT. Is a team going to give a fourth for LDT? I don't know. Uh, and at this point, I'm not sure that the Chiefs are really wanting to mix that up. 
So with that being said, I believe they're trade back. Oh yeah, I agree. I just wanted to get your thoughts now. I just wanted to get that to be the final thing in here was just what the Chiefs were going to do there with those uh, round two picks. Yep, yep. So, all right. That will do it for today. Orlando Brown is the new left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs protecting Patrick Mahomes. Stay tuned on Sunday for the mailbag or Monday for the mailbag we record on Sunday and we'll answer more of your Orlando Brown questions. So get those in to us. We'll catch you later. Big Zoo.